Welcome to Real Truth for Today with Pastor Jeff Shreve, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas. Now, here's Pastor Jeff. Well, good morning and happy Valentine's Day. Pastor Jeff here along with my Valentine, Debbie. And uh, we want to talk to you today on this subject, true love versus true lies. Now, Valentine's Day is the day for love. Debbie uh, told me this as we were getting ready this morning. She started singing the words to this old song. Love is in the air. Everywhere I look around Love is in the air Every sight and every sound And I don't know if I'm being foolish Don't know if I'm being wise But it's something that I must believe in And it's there when I look in your eyes so love is in the air on Valentine's Day, and uh, Debbie, we've been, this is our 38th Valentine's Day together. We got married March 15th, so our first Valentine's, we weren't married, and then all the, the rest have been together. Mm-hmm. So happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Thank you. Back at you. Yeah. So we want to talk about true love versus true lies and we're not going the romantic love we're talking today we want to talk about god's love for us now the world doesn't understand god's love jesus uh it was love in the flesh and how did the world treat love in the flesh they nailed him to a tree uh they don't the the world today doesn't understand love they understand uh a hijacked uh, definition of love. Debbie, right. you have a good definition of love you got from uh, uh, Alyssa Childers in her book, Live Your Truth and Other Lies. Well, I, I think one of the the main things that, that she brings out in terms of, of the world versus what the Bible talks love to be is that the world's definition of love is that it's just all about me. It's all about me, how I feel. And it has no buts in it. So that means like, okay, if you really love me, you will not want to change me. You'll just you'll just accept me exactly the way I am without ever wanting to change me or anything like that. If you really love me, um, you'll like me even if you think I'm, I'm dying and going to hell. You're not going to push that philosophy on me because you love me and you accept me. That you're going to wish me well, but... Um, you're not going to vote against the things that I think are good because if you if you have any kind of even political ideology that differs from mine, you don't love me and you don't accept me. Right. So it's, it's it's extremely conditional and it's extremely self me I oriented. Um, it does not look our world's definition does not look beyond the periphery of self. It's just all inward focused. Yeah, it's uh, it has nothing in common with God's love, with what no. real love is. And so, you know, First Corinthians 13 describes love more than it defines love. But this is what the scripture says about it. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. 
bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now, the Lord loves us. Debbie, just as you were reading that definition, the Lord surely does love us. Uh, Alyssa points out in her book about uh, Mark 10, Jesus and the rich young ruler. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Lord let him walk away. He was wanting to sign up. What must I do to inherit eternal life? But he wanted it. He wanted the Lord on his terms and you can't get the Lord on his terms. And the Bible clearly says Jesus felt a love for him. Mm-hmm. But he, he let him walk away. And he let him walk but he away. Loved him. He loved him. He said, this is what you need to do. The guy was uh, claiming that he kept all the Ten Commandments. But uh, the, the one commandment, the very first one, I'm the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Um, his God was money. And he wouldn't part with money. It, that's the only person Jesus ever told, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and uh, you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Well, you know, and when, when we look at those worldly definitions, it, if we use that as our standard where we don't ever want to change anybody, we don't ever uh, want to confront them about the fact that they're on the, the wide road that is leading uh, to eternal hell and destruction, that we we don't agree with them politically or whatever. If we if we use that definition we can we can say hey well jesus wasn't loving he wasn't a loving person right right? because he encompassed all of those things he didn't want to leave you the way you were when he came in when he came into a relationship with you he um he wanted you to be with him forever he wanted to he provided that for you to be able to spend eternity with him and he he certainly wanted to change you and sanctify you from the inside out so that your thoughts uh feelings philosophies theologies all of those line up with his word and so um by that definition he he wouldn't have been considered in our culture today and is not considered a loving person i guess no he'd be called a hater right and and you know, incidentally, the person that put up, I think they put up uh, Leviticus 18 about if a man lies with another man uh, as one lies with a woman, it is an abomination. They put that on a billboard and that got taken down because they said it was hate speech. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the word of God. Mm-hmm. Jesus is God. He said that. Um, and they say, well, you can't say that. That's hate speech. But as we have said uh, numerous times on this program, truth is hate to those who hate the truth. And Jesus spoke the truth. As Paul said, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Well, Jesus testified that the the, the deeds of the world were evil, and uh, they didn't want to hear that because men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. Here's the thing about uh, experiencing God's love because just because God loves people, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, you don't enter into his love until you receive Christ, and you don't receive Christ until you repent of sin. So Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, neither is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. As King James says, he will not hear. The issue in us having a relationship with God is our sin. We have to recognize our sin, deal with our sin, turn from sin and turn to the Lord who will forgive us. And if we won't do that, 
then we can't have a relationship with him because he's not going to have a relationship with sin. Well, you know, and the Bible tells us multiple times that God is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, yes, forever. And so um, if, if he if he looks upon sin as sin a hundred years ago, he's still looking upon sin as sin today, right? So we can't, we cannot morph him into what we want him to be because he is what he is. And by the very definition and nature of who he is, he is love. That's not just something that he does. That's who he is. That's his, that's at the, that's his very nature is love. And so when we have his love living inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit, that that's what enables us to love because in our flesh we can we have a very selfish I focus me focused form of love were it not for the Holy Spirit living inside of us yeah and so we're so conditioned by the world that's why we're calling this this broadcast today true love versus true lies we're so conditioned by the lies to say well just as you said if you love me uh, there won't be any butts in that love. You won't want to change me. I mean, the Lord looks at all of us and says, I love you and I love you too much to let you stay the way you are because sin is a cancer. Sin will destroy you and the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So we have to deal with the sin and we have to daily put sin to death in our lives as Romans uh, chapter 8 verse 12 says, uh, but if we by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, we will live. Well, that's how you live the Christian life. Every day you, you say, okay, Lord, I, I yield my life to you. And um, the Lord says, great. So we're going to deal, you know, in the Old Testament, they had to drive out the, the Canaanites that lived in the land. Well, we have to drive out the spiritual things in our lives, the Canaanites that want to take over, that want to get us to compromise. So we're under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, this is the, the great paradox. We are dead to sin, but we have to consider ourselves dead to sin because most of us don't feel very dead to sin. Right. Sin still has a, a big allure to us. And uh, not every sin... Um, you know, certain people have trouble with alcohol. Other people have no, no temptation at all. Uh, certain people have trouble with pornography. Others, that's not a temptation at all. Certain people have trouble with money and greed. And to others, that's really not the temptation. The devil knows what you are tempted in, and everyone has an Achilles heel. So as we walk with God, we are putting to death the deeds of the body in a, in a real practical way. Even though we're dead to sin, we have to consider ourselves dead to sin because it doesn't feel like we're dead to sin. We're dead on paper, but uh, our feelings haven't been informed of that yet. Right. And, you know, the irony of the world's definition of love is that they don't transfer that over in being accepting of a believer's definition of love. Right. <laughs> That's the irony. I mean, it's like, OK, everyone yeah, they should, just call us haters. Yeah, they call you they call you a hater. And it's like, OK, well, wait a minute. You you have said that we should just love everyone and not try to change them and not try to point out any anything that that is um not good in them that that needs to be worked on, but yet they don't have that level of quote tolerance and acceptance for a follower of Christ. That's kind of the irony of all of it. And and you know when you live in the world's definition of love, which is very shallow, um, there's no accountability there. There's no um, 
there's no sense of okay hey this is this is crossing a line because I should be able to do any and everything that I want to do and uh, that that never leads to a good end it, it just doesn't well I ran across this on Twitter this morning or on X now Hakeem Jeffries uh, called out Clarence Thomas and he was calling him a hater and he just goes off on him you're such a hater you hate reproductive rights you hate women's rights you hate this you hate that you hate uh, voting uh, for all people uh, because Clarence Thomas is pro-life mm -hmm. so so to the left if you're pro-life well you hate women you hate reproductive rights nobody has the right to brutally murder their baby by dismemberment mm -hmm. no one has that right so that's just insane that mm -hmm. that just shows you how twisted and upside down uh, people uh, can get uh, I I've posted this guy's little videos like 45 seconds or whatever where he goes off on uh, Clarence Thomas and I just said you know truth is hate to those who hate the truth Isaiah 520 woe to those who call evil good and good evil and that's what we have in our world today and so we take love true love is defined by God he is agape love and we've taken it and we've hijacked it and we've said no this is love and uh, you know people have been uh, talking and talking about the he gets us mm -hmm. uh, commercial that they spent seven million dollars on uh, that presented uh, in my opinion that presented a very uh, tolerant Weak. Uh, Jesus uh, didn't teach hate. Of course, he didn't he teach hate. But their their definition of hate is all skewed. Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. Jesus washed the disciples' feet in John chapter 13 one time at the Last Supper, and uh, as was pointed out, he washed Judas's feet, <laughs> and he said, "You are clean, but not all of you." Um, and Judas is the one that ends up betraying him, ends up killing himself. Uh, he's got a, a destination in hell. Mm -hmm. uh, so washing your feet uh, doesn't necessarily mean anything. He did a lot of things for a lot of people. He healed a lot of people. He fed a lot of people. That doesn't mean they're going to receive salvation and the love of God, which is evidenced by forgiveness. Well, you're listening to Real Truth for today, Pastor Jeff Shreve here along with my wife Debbie it is Valentine's Day and we're talking about true love versus true lies don't go away AFA streaming is an oasis in the desert of today's media at AFA streaming you'll find God honoring video and audio content from American Family Association you know if something is going to dethrone God from his rightful place is in first position in our lives, it's most often going to be the pursuit of money. Visit streaming.afa.net to unlock a panorama of safe, uplifting content. We have talked a lot about the challenges facing teens, but today we are going to go all over the lifespan. You can't get this content from the mainstream, and they can't cancel it because it's on AFA Streaming. There are a lot of tough problems in life but killing an innocent little baby before he or she is born is never a good way to solve a problem. Give it up for adoption, or give it to somebody you trust, or you could keep the baby. Log in or sign up at streaming.afa.net.
Hi, this is Sandy Rios. You know what? I miss you in the mornings. But now I'm hosting Sandy Rios 24-7, which is available at AFR.net and SandyRios.com. And by the way, I finally wrote that book. God's Velvet Hammer chronicles God's call in my life from a small-town girl to Berlin, Germany, Radio Moscow, North Korea, and Washington, D.C. Like the Apostle Paul, these are my shipwrecks and adventures, all for Christ and His kingdom. God's Velvet Hammer is available wherever books are sold. Every weekday, strengthen your family and your faith with Family Talk. I had the same brain when I was at the bottom of the class that I had at the top of the class. Exactly the same brain, but a different attitude. What does that tell us about our responsibility to develop the intellect of the people and our spheres of influence? Don't miss Family Talk with Dr. James Dobson. Every weekday at 6.30 a.m. and 9.30 p.m. Central on AFR. For over 40 years, American Family Association has stood for righteousness and God's truth in our nation. American Family Association Executive Vice President Ed Vitagliano. AFA is here every day fighting for the future of America, and praise be to God, we're making a difference. One important way you can join us in the battle is through a charitable gift annuity with the AFA Foundation. The charitable gift annuity benefits you and it benefits the culture-transforming work of American Family Association. Contact the AFA Foundation today to learn how you can shore up permanent income for your retirement years while supporting American Family Association. A charitable gift annuity helps you and it allows AFA to impact America for generations to come. Phone 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. This is Real Truth For Today. Podcasts of the program are available on the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to Pastor Jeff Shreve. Welcome back. Pastor Jeff here along with Debbie. We're talking about, uh, in keeping with Valentine's Day, we're talking about true love versus true lies. Now, Debbie, you did a little research on the origins of Valentine's Day. Right. And it, it, it was interesting, too, what I found, because it really was extremely pagan. <laughs> but it, it really didn't come to um, the United States until uh, the early 1300s. And it was uh, Jeffrey Chaucer wrote some poems and um, all of that, but it, it we didn't really, as a as a nation, start to celebrate it until the 1700s, and it is not celebrated in every country all around the world. I found that to be interesting. So there are some places that don't, that really don't even recognize it at all. Um, but I, I remember when we were dating, um, I told you early on because I just. Uh, let, let's just be transparent that I, I like gifts, you yes. know, now pr- prior to like maybe the last decade, I really felt like that was one of my love languages. And I do think giving gifts is one of my love languages to show love to other people. But I, I've, I've learned as I've matured in the Lord that I, I received that as a major form of love because that's how my parents were able to show it to me. But that wasn't necessarily one of my love language in terms of how I receive love, but don't be fooled, Jeffrey. That does not give you a pass on um, giving me gifts for all these holidays. I said, you know, even Groundhog's Day. Hey, it's a holiday, so go ahead and go ahead and get me a gift. But I also did a little research on, like, what are the most popular gifts 
that people buy on Valentine's Day to show their love for their special someone. What would what would you think would be the the biggest one people would do? Oh, well, flowers. Flowers. That did not come up as the number one gift, but you were close. The number one gift is candy. Forty-four percent of people. I was thinking more healthy. Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I know that you you so stay away from sweets. And side note, that's an that's an ironic statement. Okay. The other one was cards that we get cards for our loved ones. Then flowers, and then the next in line at twenty-nine percent was romantic dinners. People go out for romantic dinners, and down the list was actually like getting someone a gift card for somewhere for for a different place or whatever because it it kind of talked about the fact that it it is a more specialized like I know this person I'm not going to get them just a blanket gift I'm going to get something special just for them I'm not going to get them just a gift card kind of thing but I thought that was just very very interesting um and and that is where as believers, you know, we participate in all of that and that's that's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I loved I had a gift for you this morning and I had that out for you when when I got up and gave it to you and um you brought me over my gift, um, so that was nice. Um but when when we think about it as believers, the greatest gift that we have is the gift of Jesus. Amen. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave. And so when you love, you want to give. Mm-hmm. And, and God is the, the God of love. And he gave us his son, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest gift ever given to man is the savior of the world. Um, and uh, he will save anybody who comes to him in repentance and faith. True love versus true lies. Now, one of the things that uh, that Uh, Alyssa Childress writes in her book, Live Your Truth and Other Lies. Uh, You know, when I first read that title, Debbie, of the book, I thought, oh, great. This is a a your truth, our truth, Mm -hmm. his truth, her truth version. But she's using that as to show you that this is a lie. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have your truth. Exposing popular deceptions that make us anxious, exhausted, and self-obsessed. And so one of the things she points out is... uh, the, the letter to the church at Thyatira, and this is what it says in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 18, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first, but I have this against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bond servants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. You know, the Lord points out what they were tolerating. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you know, sometimes we think, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm such a... Um, you know, uh, gracious, uh, merciful. Yeah. That you just kind of turned a, turn a blind eye to things. No, uh, the Lord says, Hey, you can't tolerate that stuff. Uh, you can't tolerate cancer in your physical body because it will take over. And so you have to uh, eradicate cancer from your body. And we can't, we can't tolerate sin in our lives. We can't tolerate sin in our church. We have to deal with the sin. And uh, the Lord says, if you don't deal with it, 
um, well, there are going to be consequences to that. Well, and, and we're never on this side of heaven. We are never going to be sin free. But the difference is that we're not embracing it and saying that it's okay and that the that one of these sins defines who we are. Right. We don't take our we don't define ourselves by it. We define ourselves in relationship with the Lord. And so, you know, one of the big criticisms just throughout history of the church has been, oh, it's just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, not necessarily, right? I mean, are there hypocrites in the church? Sure there are. There are hypocrites at your office. There's hypocrites in the grocery store. There are hypocrites everywhere. But the difference is godly people sin. They own it. They confess it. They seek forgiveness for it. They receive forgiveness and they get up seeking to not do that again. And they don't just embrace it as, well, this is just who I am and you're just going to have to deal with it and you're going to have to tolerate it because I'm not changing. And so that that's a big difference in the world's definition versus um, the the biblical definition of love, because we we live in a fallen world and we're going to deal with sin until we're in glory. Right. That's just that's just the way it is. And and um. We can't think otherwise. And just because people in our churches are sinners, that doesn't mean that they're <laughs> they're hypocritical and they're tolerating. It just means that they're that they're sinners. Yeah. So if you're here's the difference. So if you're living with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you say, I'm a Christian, I'm an active member of X, Y, Z church. And uh, but you're not recognizing that as, oh, yeah, well, I just let's forget about that. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. So Jesus with the woman at the well. You know, uh, how did he have that interaction with her? Go and call your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. That's right. You've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. Uh, He pointed out her sin. Mm -hmm. Well, she didn't really want to go there. Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about something else. Yeah, you worship here. Uh, (laughs) But but it you have to deal with sin if you're gonna get into a relationship with Jesus, because he hates sin. He Mm -hmm. can't have fellowship with sin. And so this is interesting. So the church in Thyatira, he calls him out for tolerate the woman tolerating the woman Jezebel, and then it says, And I gave her, the woman Jezebel, time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality that's a key statement so you know when when we as christians get tripped up by sin in hebrews chapter 12 you know uh as we have so great a cloud of of witnesses encompassing us let us run with endurance the race that is set before us and uh let us lay aside every encumbrance uh so that we can run because there are things that trip us up and uh, the sin which so easily entangles us, it says in Hebrews 12. And so, as I said earlier, the things that may in, uh, trip me up might not be things that trip you up, and the things that trip you up might not be things that trip me up. So we, everyone's Achilles heel is a little different in the Christian life, but everybody has something, and we have to watch for that. And so, you know, is there a, a sin in your life as defined by Scripture that you're not willing to repent of? Here, Debbie, here's a big one. Uh, bitterness. You know, un- being unforgiving towards some person who hurts you, whether that's mm-hmm. a, uh, a bad dad or an absentee dad or a spouse, a, a spouse who, who cheated on you or 
somebody who lied at you, lied about you in, at work and it cost you a promotion or it cost you your job, uh, someone who wronged you in some certain way, and then you're holding on to that, to that unforgiveness and that bitterness. The Lord says, you know, I can't have a relationship with you if you do that. Uh, if you don't forgive, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, if you don't forgive, then I am not going to forgive you. Well, you know, we, we just finished up in our ladies group, uh, Rochelle and I teaching through the book of Hosea. And in the the last part of Hosea, when when God's judgment is taking place or is taking place with the those 10 northern tribes, it talks about one of the verses, and I, I, Mr. Bible may know exactly where it is, but it talked about the fact that they were bent they had a bent towards whatever their idols were, and so they had already determined. They knew they needed. They knew they needed to repent, but they were bent towards not repenting, and so their hearts became so hard. And so, um, and it, and because of that, you know, God could have wiped them out at the very start. He was so incredibly patient, but. He does have a time of judgment that is coming. That is going to take place. And it took place for those tribes as well. And so it's that whole attitude of just, you know, digging your heels in, in your sin. You may short term think that's working for you, but it has an absolutely horrific long term effect in your life. Right. Well, James chapter 1, you know, each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lusts. And when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death every single time. There's a reason why God hates sin. Uh, God doesn't hate it because, well, it's a really good thing, and so, uh, but I just don't like it. Mm-hmm. No, he hates it because it destroys people. Right. And that's why he hates it, because God loves people. And just like a, a, a good uh, cancer doctor, well, he hates cancer because cancer destroys people. Mm-hmm. And if you are making friends with cancer in your body, well, that cancer will take over and kill you mm-hmm. because that's what cancer does. Well, sin is, is just a, a cancer of the soul, and it will take over and it will kill you. Now, what do you do if... Um, if as the Lord says in, in to the church in Thyatira, and you know, I gave uh, the woman Jezebel time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Well, I think for a lot of Christians, we have to say, Lord, I'm struggling with sin X, whatever sin X is, mm-hmm. and there's a part of me that loves that sin. And I don't want to. I don't want that to be there. So give me a heart that is that is willing to turn away from that. And you know the Bible talks about Second Corinthians chapter seven that there's a sorrow uh, according to the world and a sorrow according to the will of God. You know J- Judas had a sorrow according to the world. He regretted what he did. He never repented and never got his heart right with with the Lord. But you know he returned the thirty pieces of silver, and he was so overcome with guilt that he went and hanged himself. Mm -hmm. Well, Peter was overcome with guilt too because uh, he denied the Lord three times, but he repented and got right. And uh, one man was restored and forgiven and the other man went off, he's called the son of perdition and uh, went off to a Christless hell. Here's the thing. So you got godly sorrow, worldly sorrow that produces death, godly sorrow, sorrow according to the will of God that produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. So here's a good thing to pray. Say, Lord, my heart is 
is not where it needs to be. So I ask you to soften it. I ask you to give me a sorrow according to the, to the will of God, a, a, a godly sorrow, not a worldly regret. Change me so that my heart would be in tune with yours. Does well, God, and, and to see sin the way God sees it. Right. You can pray that. And mm-hmm. uh, is God going to answer that prayer? That would be a prayer according to the will of God. Of course he's going to answer mm-hmm. that prayer. And as we seek him and say, God, make my heart like your heart. Uh, delight yourself in the Lord, it says in Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? It means to make yourself soft and pliable in the hands of the Lord, like soft clay in the hands of the potter. As we do that, then the Lord is faithful to mold us and direct us and move us in the way he wants us to go. Well, you know, and when we when we think about the the truth of God's word, which tells us that his love never changes. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. Even when we are in the midst of a sin that has so easily entangled us, his love for us doesn't change. Our ability to enjoy that love changes. We because we've pulled away. We have put things above him and our our sin and our choices and uh, our desires. We've put that above what he has uh, said is the boundary line. And his his love for us doesn't change. And I think the the devil, that's one of his greatest tools is that he entices you to sin. And then the moment that you've done it, he throws right back in your face. Look what you've done. Now God can never love you. Look what you just did. I can't believe you just did that. You know, and um, we have to remember that, hey, God's love for us doesn't change, but we have to be walking in obedience to him to be able to tap into that and to enjoy that. And, and to be in fellowship with him and to be able to be to sit at his table, so to speak. Right. So the verse that I go back to a passage often, First John chapter one, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with him. And the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Uh, You enjoy his fellowship. You enjoy that walk with Jesus. Well, you're listening to Real Truth for Today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here along with my wife, Debbie. We're talking about true love versus true lies. When we come back from the break, uh, we'll be taking your calls. 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Love to talk to you about uh, God's love for you, about a relationship issue, whatever's on your heart, on your mind. We'd love to uh, help you any way that we can. So give us a call and uh, let's talk 888-589-8840. We'll be right back. Progressive elites in Hollywood, big tech, mainstream media, and higher academia are lying to our next generation. They want to convince our young people that America's biblical foundation is offensive, outdated, and must be overthrown. Your gift today will unleash AFA action to share the timeless truth of why protecting the biblical family is essential to the survival of the American Republic. You'll also get the free DVD and booklet set, Progressive Threat to the American Republic. Visit afaaction.net. Sometimes it can be hard to catch each live broadcast. This could be due to your job, school, or just life in general. 
we understand, which is why you don't have to miss out. The AFR podcast page is where you can find all of your favorite shows. Whether it's old or new, you can listen and download each broadcast that you've missed, including the ones you've already heard. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Novelist Henry Allen observed that fools live to regret their words, while wise men regret their silences. And that reminds me of what the English statesman Edmund Burke once said. He said, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Well, thank goodness Jesus Christ was not a good man who did nothing. He came into this world to confront evil head on, to destroy the works of the devil. And by his death and resurrection, Christ sealed the devil's fate. Now it's up to those of us who are Christ's followers to continue to overcome evil with good throughout the world. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's power to speak out on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today. Skepticism of God's word seems rampant today. But Dr. Richard Howe says it's nothing new. I was in college and was encountering skepticism and stuff about the Bible. So that, to me, indicated that, at least in my experience, there was this dearth of grounding people in why we believe what we believe as Christians. In the curriculum, Intro to God's Revelation, Dr. Howe works to overturn the void of understanding the Bible and sharing God's Word. We're looking at how God reveals Himself, general revelation, special revelation, what that means, and then the issues of the inspiration of the Bible, its inerrancy, why are certain books in the Bible or not. Then we'll look at how did the Bible come down to us through its transmission through history, and also the issue of translation. And then we'll last look at the concepts of how do we interpret the Bible in order to apply it to ourselves. The DVD and workbooks for Intro to God's Revelation are available today at resources.afa.net resources.afa.net If you'd like to contact Pastor Jeff, email pastorjeff at fromhisheart.org Now, back to Real Truth for Today with Pastor Jeff Shreve. Welcome back. Pastor Jeff here along with my wife Debbie. We're talking about true love versus true lies. The world's definition of love is so... Uh, skewed and so off base it it, uh, we don't embrace what God says real love is Jesus was full of grace and truth God is the God of love Uh, Exodus 34 when the Lord reveals himself to Moses the Lord the Lord God compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth Loving kindness is a great Old Testament word. It puts God's love and his kindness together. I think the the best uh, uh, corresponding word in the New Testament is the word grace. And Jesus was full of grace and truth. He's full of God's love, God's kindness, and God's truth. And uh, we we will uh, do ourselves a great favor if we understand and spend time in 1 Corinthians 13 to really understand what love is and what love looks like. And so... uh, Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. 
Love does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. And that's the kicker right there, because that's what we see in our culture, because our, our culture does not rejoice in truth, right? No, it doesn't. Because they've redefined things to be their truth, your truth, my truth. And there's not a, a set standard, which decades ago, everyone recognized what that standard was, yeah. right? That it, it that it was the word of God. Well, that, that isn't our current culture today. That That's not how it is. Right. And so um, when, when that foundational element is cast aside, then we just have all these different things sprouting up everywhere that is going to hijack all these different words and completely redefine them to meet their own needs. Yeah. So in, uh, real love says, okay, God, what do you say about morality? What do you say about this issue, that issue, the other issue? I'm going to love the Word of God. I'm going to love the direction of God. I'm going to love what God says is right and what God says is wrong. And I'm not going to uh, participate or rejoice in anything that would be the devil's. Mm -hmm. uh, the devil wants you to rejoice in unrighteousness, but real love says I can't do that. I can't you know, I was thinking about what you talked about earlier in terms of just holding on like to a sin of bitterness uh -huh. and in light of what the Bible defines love as that it's not provoked it doesn't take into account a wrong suffered and you know when when situations come into our life and people hurt us we are human. I mean, you know, if, if we are cut, will we not bleed? Of course we will. So you get you get emotionally punched in the gut and you are going to hurt. Your breath is going to be taken away for a moment. But it it is so imperative that we do not let that sin of bitterness just start to envelop our heart. And that that means that, hey, we we recognize that we're hurt, but we don't just keep that in the hurt pile where we are um, taking into account a wrong suffered. And there are times where we can be somewhat justified in our feelings, but we just need to give up our right to be right. And, and just lay that down at the Lord's feet. And it's amazing what God can do with those hurts, even though they were, we were treated unjustly, unfairly, w w betrayed, whatever it may be. Uh -huh. He can take those things and he promises in his word that he can turn from ashes, he can turn things into beauty. Right. And um, it requires trust on our part to lay that down. And, and faith in his word that he will accomplish through those hurts what he promises to accomplish, and that is the beauty from the ashes. Yeah, that goes along with our first caller, Jordan from Texas. Jordan, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, Pat Deborah. How y'all doing okay today? Doing well. Good to talk to you, good, Jordan. Good, uh, Well, you pretty much answered my question <laughs> with... Uh, Everything that you went over, I was listening, and uh, everything and everything that you both said uh, answered everything that uh, that I had as a question. I just I felt I felt left out, but now I know that my father felt left out. He felt left out as well, and he died in a nursing home, not knowing who he was, where he was, what he was doing there, and even if I had shown up, it probably wouldn't have mattered. But 
uh, it hurts to be at his funeral and to not be called out as one of his progeny. Yeah. How long so, ago is that? But you've answered uh, about three months ago. Three months ago, so you're at you're at your dad's funeral, and they don't you're not recognized at all as being one of his kids. No, no, I was not asked to sit with the family. I was not asked. I was never brought up in the conversation at all. Uh, he had in his final years, he had really fallen into the Methodist Church and uh, the minister that gave the invocation and and the everything was was a woman. and i I don't care. I don't care about any of that. Uh, and I guess I shouldn't care about not being, you know, part of the funeral. Uh, I showed up. Uh, I showed up mostly for my son, who had a very, very good relationship with my father. And so I, I, I guess I can take that forward and say this was enough. And mm-hmm. I can forgive those individuals with God's grace and uh, take it from there. Yeah. Well, one thing, Jordan, and, you know, Debbie kind of alluded to this. Um, it doesn't mean that that stuff doesn't hurt when we forgive. I like what June Hunt said on the program uh, some months ago. She said, you know, she had a terrible relationship with her father. Her father was one of the wealthiest men who ever lived. And uh, she said, you know, he hurt me. And so I had him. And I felt like if I forgave him, I let him off the hook. But she said, I realize that forgiveness is not letting somebody off the hook for what they've done. It's putting them on God's hook. You're taking them off your hook. You're putting them on, putting them on God's hook. So what happened to you at the funeral three months ago? I mean, that was very painful. That would hurt anybody. Um, but you can't hold on to that. As Debbie said, you got to let that go and trust that the Lord's going to use that for good. And maybe he's going to bring it about uh, those people coming to you and apologizing and saying, hey, we were wrong for doing this. But, uh, you know, we're, we're not responsible for what they do. We're only responsible for how what we do and how we respond to to what they do. Right. That's always been a big problem in my life, <laughs> taking responsibility for those things that I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, thank you, Pastor well, Jeff. Hey, uh, thank you. I'll, I'll get off the, I'll get off right. the phone and. Uh, you guys can go to the next caller. Thank you very hey, much. Hey, thanks, Jordan. I appreciate, I appreciate you calling. Thanks for uh, listening to mm-hmm. the program. Well, we got Steve on the line from Texas. Steve, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Hello, sir. Uh, I just wanted to call in and say you, you cited uh, the verse about... Uh-oh. We lost him. We lost him. Steve, I can't hear you. Oh, okay. Wait, now he's back. Hello? Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You said yes, you sir. cited the verse about and then we lost you. Yes, sir. I just wanted to say uh, I'm, we're, we're fighting a 1984 style. They take the meaning of words and they redefine them and they blot out the meaning that they have in truth. And uh, and they use that to, uh, to, to control our thoughts, really. And so the biblical definition of love is the one that you cited. And they've taken that and used, you know, pop, pop music and other sorts of means to redefine love to mean lust and desire and, and right. affection and romance. Um, and we need to take that definition back and, and be able to point out that love is self-sacrificial, 
and have people understand that when the word is used. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's there's a lot of other words that we have to take back the meanings of too. It's, uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, Revelation eighteen twenty three says, for instance, that by their uh, sorceries were all the nations of the world deceived, and that word comes from pharmakia, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like that's very important to understand in this day too. Right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of things with uh, sorcery connected to drug use, mm-hmm. and uh, we have people today. I was reading about all the homeless, and a, a school in L.A. had to shut down because the, the homeless just had overwhelmed it, um, and the kids were seeing all kinds of drug use and nudity and all kinds of stuff. Um, but but so much of the homelessness is tied into drug use, is tied into mental illness. I think it's tied in, although they don't want to say, it's tied into demonic activity in that person's life. And uh, th- those things are all connected. So you're exactly right, Steve. And so we have to stand up, stand up and speak the truth in love and, uh, you know, keep pointing the way. And people don't, they're not going to like it. You know, when you, when you think of Jesus, love in the flesh, and they, they crucify him, um, they don't like real love. They want a, a perverted love, which is not love at all. It's a, you know, it's, it's the, if you really love me, you're going to just tolerate everything I do. And, and uh, there are no standards and there are no demands. Uh, well, that's not, that's not real love. So God bless you, my brother. Thank you for calling in and thank you for that word. So Debbie, um, just as we, we have another just few minutes here, um, what would you say to the person today that is, uh, because it is Valentine's Day and, and our culture is saying this is all about sweethearts and they don't have a sweetheart mm-hmm. and Valentine's Day can be a hard day for them. Yes. Um, yeah, yes. think about Amy, our middle daughter, when, you know, it was, uh, she was almost 30 years old when she and Travis got married, but she was waiting and waiting and waiting. Mm-hmm. It can be hard to wait. True love waits, but it's Mm-mm-mm. not easy to wait. Or the person that's maybe lost a spouse. Mm-hmm. This is their first uh, Valentine's Day on their own. And I remember uh, we have a, a good friend here that she was talking to us one day and, and she said one of the hardest things about being a widow is that there was no one on the planet that loved her more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the hardest hurts that she experienced in terms of the loss of her spouse because mm-hmm. her kids loved her, but they didn't love her the same as her spouse. Right. right? And, and, and um, I, I think I, I have not walked that in terms of losing a spouse and I don't want you going anywhere. <laughs> um, but I, I think it does boil back down to where are you going to put your focus today? Mm-hmm. Where's your focus going to be? And I think the focus has to be, number one, on how much God loves you. And number two, that he is a trustworthy God, that no good thing does he withhold from those who walk up uprightly. Mm-hmm. And so that has to be a disciplined, intentional focus of your mind and heart um, when when society around you and whatever events are happening around you today want to pull you into a self-pity party, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
to 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 make the choice to rise above that and say, you know, I, I, I have not met that someone walking this earth, but I have a perfect holy God that loved me so much that he sent his most prized possession to die for me. That is amazing love. And so I'm, I'm going to focus in on that today and um, make that my make that my heart's cry and rejoice in that. And, well, and continue to ask the Lord to bring those things, to bring that person into your life, if that's the desire of your heart. And he will do that at his perfect time and when it's going to be a good thing for you. Mm-hmm. If you're walking uprightly with him, he's not going to withhold that from you. Right. Um, but for some reason, the timing may not be right. You may not be ready. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into that. And he's preparing you. He's preparing that person. And so it, it boils back down to what we have said over and over Jeff is that is the crux of the Christian life is trust right trust well I, I was just thinking about a good friend of mine Sean Breedlove um, he was a couple of years ahead of me in school at UT and a big influence in my life in my Christian life but he uh, he graduated and he was a bank examiner and he would travel a lot and uh, he said you know I didn't have Christian community and he said, I think the Lord did that on purpose for me so that I would learn how to really develop my relationship with the Lord, that Jesus would truly be my best friend, and that I would get all my strength from him. Obviously, we need one another, and nobody's, uh, nobody can be a Lone Ranger Christian, but Jesus has to be our refuge, our strength, our source. And uh, if we make other people that— that's not good. And so in Sean's case, it was for the Lord to really develop him in that, hey, Sean, you look to me and and me primarily for all your needs, and I will provide for you. Well, he's the only one that's not going anywhere. Right. Right. Jesus is the only one that's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> your, your, spouse, um, your spouse can be faithful, but he can die, she can die. Um, you know, kids that uh, we don't want to be morbid, but those things happen. But the Lord is a constant. He'll never leave you. you. He'll never forsake you. He's always faithful and true. Well, thanks for listening today to Real Truth for Today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time right here on American Family Radio. If you have a question or a comment, don't hesitate to contact me, Pastor Jeff, at fromhisheart.org, and I'd love to uh, help you any way that I can. Hey, go out today, shine for Christ, share what great things the Lord has done for you, and know that God will use you as his witness. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.